Section 11 of Tales from Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Tales from Dickens by Halle Ermini Rives. David Copperfield. Part 1. David's Early Ups and Downs. There was once a little boy by the name of David Copperfield, whose father had died before he was born. The night he was born, his great-aunt, Miss Betsy Trotwood, a grim lady with a black cap tied under her chin and a great gold watch-chain, came to the house to ask his mother to name the baby, which she took for granted was a girl, after her. But as soon as she found out it was a boy, she flounced out in anger and never came back again. The first thing David remembered was living in a big country house in England with his pretty golden-haired mother and with Peggotty, his nurse, a red-faced kindly woman with a habit of wearing her dresses so tight that whenever she hugged him some buttons would fly off the back. He loved his mother dearly, so dearly that when a tall handsome man named Murdstone began to come to see her in the evenings, David was jealous and sad. Mr. Murdstone acted as if he liked him, and even took him riding on his horse, but there was something in his face that David could not like. One summer day David was sent off with Peggotty for a two-weeks visit to her brother's house in Yarmouth. Yarmouth was a queer fishing town on the sea-coast, and the house they went to was the queerest thing in it. It was made up of an old barge, drawn up high and dry on the beach. It had a chimney on one side and little windows, and there were seashells around the door. David's room was in the stern, and the window was the hole which the rudder had once passed through. Everything smelled of salt water and lobsters, and David thought it was the most wonderful house in the world. He soon made friends with the family. Mr. Peggotty, a big fisherman with a laugh like a gale of wind, Ham, his nephew, a big, overgrown boy, who carried David from the coach on his back, and Mrs. Gummidge, who was the widow of Mr. Peggotty's drowned partner. And, last of all, there was a beautiful little girl with curly hair and a string of blue beads around her neck, whom they called Little Emily. She was an orphan niece of Peggotty's. None of these people belonged to Mr. Peggotty, but though he was only a poor fisherman himself, he was so kind that he gave them all a home. David played with little Emily and went out in the boat with Mr. Peggotty and enjoyed his visit greatly, though he grew anxious to see his mother again. He had no idea what had happened to her till he got back home with Peggotty. Then he found out why he had been sent off on his visit. While he was away, his mother had married Mr. Murdstone. David found things sadly altered after this. Mr. Murdstone was a hard, cruel master. He cared nothing for the little boy, and was harsh to him in everything. He even took away David's own cosy bedroom, and made him sleep in a gloomy chamber. When he was sad, Mr. Murdstone called him obstinate, and locked him up, and forbade his mother to pet or comfort him. David's mother loved him, but she loved her new husband too, and it was a most unhappy state of things. To make it worse, Mr. Murdstone's sister came to live with them. 
she was an unlovely old maid with big black eyebrows and liked david no better than her brother did after this there were no more pleasant hours of sitting with his mother or walking with her to church for mr murdstone and his sister kept them apart the only happy moments david spent were in a little upper room where there was a collection of books left by his dead father he got some comfort from reading these mr murdstone made david's mother give him hard tasks and lessons to do and when david recited them he and his sister both sat and listened to feel their presence and disapproval confused the little fellow so much that even when he knew his lesson he failed one day when he came to recite he saw mr murdstone finishing the handle of a whip he had been making this frightened him so that he could scarcely remember a word mr murdstone grasped him then and led him to his room to whip him poor little david was so terrified that he hardly knew what he was doing and in his agony and terror while the merciless blows were falling he seized the hand that held him and bit it as hard as he could mr murdstone then beat him almost to death and locked him in the room he was kept there for five days with only bread and milk to eat every day he was taken down for family prayers and then taken back again and during prayers he was made to sit in a corner where he could not even see his mother's face he had to sit all day long with nothing to do but think of mr peggotty's houseboat and of little emily and wish he was there the last night peggotty his nurse crept up and whispered through the keyhole that mr murdstone was going to send him away the next day to a school near london the next morning he started in a carrier's cart his mother was so much in awe of mr murdstone that she hardly dared kiss david good-bye and he saw nothing of peggotty but as he was crying peggotty came running from behind a hedge and jumped into the cart and hugged him so hard that all the buttons flew off the back of her dress the man who drove the cart was named barkis he seemed to be very much taken with peggotty and after she had gone back david told him all about her before they parted he made david promise to write her a message for him it was a very short message barkis is willing david didn't know in the least what the driver meant but he promised and he sent the message in his very first letter probably peggotty knew what he meant though for before david came back again mr barkis and she were courting however that has not much to do with this part of the story the school to which mr murdstone had sent him was a bare building with gratings on all the windows like a prison and a high brick wall around it it was owned by a man named creakle who had begun by raising hops and had gone into the school business because he had lost all of his own and his wife's money and had no other way to live he was fat and spoke always in a whisper and he was so cruel and bad-tempered that not only the boys but his wife too was terribly afraid of him he nearly twisted david's ear off the first day and he made one of the teachers tie a placard to david's back this he said was by mr murdstone's order which read take care of him he bites to have to wear this before everybody made david sorrowful and ashamed but luckily a good-natured boy named tommy traddles who liked david's looks said it was a shame to make him wear it and as tommy traddles was very popular all the other boys said it was a shame too 
So beyond calling him Towser for a few days and saying lie down sir as if he were a dog They did not make much fun of him while he wore it Besides Tommy Traddles David liked best the head boy James Steerforth the oldest boy in the school and the only one Creakle did not dare beat or mistreat Steerforth took David under his wing and helped him with his lessons while in return David used to tell him stories from the books he had read What with the beatings and tasks David was glad enough when vacation time came But his homecoming was anything but pleasant He found his mother with a little baby and she looked careworn and ill Mr. Murdstone he saw at once hated him as much as ever and Miss Murdstone would not let him even so much as touch his baby brother He was forbidden to sit in the kitchen with Peggotty and when he crept away to the upper room with the books Mr. Murdstone called him sullen and obstinate David was so miserable every day that he was almost glad to bid his mother goodbye and as he rode away to look back at her as she stood there at the gate holding up her baby for David to see That was the last picture David carried in his heart of his pretty mother One day not long after he was called from the schoolroom to the parlor and there mr Creakle told him that his mother was dead and that the baby had died too David reached home the next day Peggotty took him into her arms at the door and called his mother her dear poor pretty and comforted him But he was very sad. It seemed to him that life could never be bright again After the funeral miss Murdstone discharged Peggotty and probably not knowing what else to do with him Let David go with the faithful old servant down to the old houseboat at Yarmouth where he had been visiting when his mother was married to mr. Murdstone the wonderful house on the beach was just the same Mr. Peggotty and ham and mrs. Gummidge were still there with everything smelling just as usual of salt water and Lobsters and little Emily was there too grown to be quite a big girl It seemed somehow like coming back to a dear old quiet home where nothing changed and where all was restful and good But this happiness was not to last David had to go home again and there it was worse than ever he was utterly neglected He was sent to no school taught nothing allowed to make no friends and at last mr Murdstone as if he could think of nothing worse Apprenticed him as a chore boy in a warehouse in London The building where David was now compelled to work was on a wharf on the river bank and was dirty and dark and overrun with rats here he had to labor hard for bare living wages among rough boys and rougher men with no counselor hearing their coarse oaths about him and fearing that one day he would grow up to be no better than they he was given a bedroom in the house of a mr micawber and this man was in his way a friend there was never a better hearted man than mr micawber but he seemed to be always unlucky he had a head as bold as an egg wore a tall pointed collar and carried for ornament an eyeglass which he never used he never had any money was owing everybody who would lend him any and was always as he said waiting for something to turn up with this exception david had not a friend in london and finally mr micawber himself was put in prison for debt and his relatives who paid his debts to release him did so on condition that he leave London 
so at length David had not even this one friend. David bore his friendless and wretched life as long as he could, but at length he felt that he could stay at the warehouse no longer, and made up his mind to run away. The only one in the world he could think of who might help him was, whom do you think? His great-aunt, Miss Betsy Trotwood, who had left his mother's house the night he was born because he did not happen to be a girl. She was the only real relative he had in the world. She lived, Peggotty had told him, in Dover, and that was seventy miles away. But the distance did not daunt him, so one day he put all his things into a box and hired a boy with a cart to take it to the coach office. But the boy robbed him of all the money he had, a gold piece Peggotty had sent him, and drove off with his box besides, and poor David, crying, set out afoot, without a penny, in the direction he thought Dover lay. That evening he sold his waistcoat to a clothes dealer for a few pennies, and when night came he slept on the ground under the walls of Mr. Creakle's old school, where he had known Steerforth and Tommy Traddles. The next day he offered his jacket for sale to a half-crazy old storekeeper, who took the coat but would not pay him at first, and David had to sit all day on the doorstep before the other would give him the money. The next four nights he slept under haystacks, greatly in fear of tramps, and at length, on the sixth day, ragged, sunburned, dusty, and almost dead from weariness, he got to Dover. He had to ask many people before he could find out where Miss Betsy Trotwood lived. It was outside the town, in a cottage with a little garden. Here she lived all alone, except for a simple-minded old man, whom she called Mr. Dick, who was a relative of hers, and who did nothing all day but fly big kites and write petitions to the king, which he began every morning, and never finished. All the neighbours thought Miss Betsy Trotwood a most queer old woman, but those who knew her best said she had a very kind heart under her grim appearance. When David reached the house, Miss Betsy was digging at some flowers in the garden. All she saw was a ragged, dirty little boy, and she called out without even turning her head, "'Go away! No boys here!' But David was so wretched that he went right in at the gate and went up behind her and said, "'If you please, aunt, I'm your nephew.' His aunt was so startled at his looks and at what he said that she sat down plump on the ground, and David, his misery getting all at once the better of him, sobbed out all the pitiful tale of his wrongs and sorrows since his mother had died. Miss Betsy Trotwood's heart was touched. She seized David by the collar, led him into the house, made him drink something, and then made him lie down on the sofa while she fed him hot broth. Then she had a warm bath prepared, and at last, very tired and comfortable, and wrapped up in a big shawl, David fell asleep on the sofa. That night he was put to bed in a clean room, and before he slept he prayed that he might never be homeless and friendless again. End of section 11